welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I am your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and Postdoctoral Affairs as well as CFRC. So thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day, either on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or CFRC Podcasts. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Today, though, I would like to introduce you to a BBS Sifa Alemu, who is doing a PhD in law under the supervision of Dr. Cherie Metcalf. Welcome to Grad Chat, Abibi. Welcome, Kaldi. Great to have you here. Abibi, you're from Ethiopia. So what is your background in law and what brought you to Canada and Queens? Yeah, I am from Ethiopia and my background is law. I did my undergrad degree in law and I, uh, I did also my master's degree in law. And I came here through a scholarship uh, ah, Mastercard Foundation scholarship. Oh yes, Mastercard. Yes. Yes, to do my uh, PhD. Right, yeah. right. And I mean, I know you've got a scholarship and everything, but were you expecting to come to Canada? Was that your plans when you were doing your JD and your masters? Was it your plan to go to another country to do your PhD? Yes, definitely. I was looking for opportunities abroad to do one of my degrees, uh, right. particularly after I did my first degree. I was looking for such opportunities uh, right. to, yeah, to do my master's, but I was not able to get that opportunity for my master's. But it happened for my PhD, uh, thanks to... Which my... is terrific. Yes. Now, have you been a practicing lawyer before starting your PhD? Sometimes, but mostly I spend my stay there uh, teaching law. Oh, you were teaching? Yes. Right. In, yeah, I used to teach law courses in the University of Gondar. Right. University of Gondar is one of the universities uh, that has partnership with Queen's University, I think. Yes, yeah. it does. We've got a yeah. good partnership there. Definitely. It's brilliant. Yes. So I spent about nine years there. Uh, teaching law. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. And side by side, I, I was also practicing law. Being a law teacher, a law professor there, it's possible for you to uh, practice law. Still as well. practice yes. as well. Yes. And, and what area of law were you practicing in? I mostly engaged in family matter. Okay. Yeah, particularly I used to represent poor people mm -hmm. before the court of law who are not able to cover the cost of a lawyer right. so that my service was free. Of course, it was through the uh, University of Gondar uh, free legal aid service. That's great. Yes. Yeah, I know because we've got something similar here, don't we? Mm. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people who need someone to represent them and really represent yeah. them, not just be another number of whatever. So yes. it's yeah. nice that you're able to do that because mm. not everyone can afford the top yeah. The sure. people who do it full time, etc. Yes, it's quite difficult. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, get, I guess that sort of brings me into the work that you're trying to do here. And, you know, firstly, as we know in PhDs, there's 
it's a long time and you've got to do some research first before you can start writing things up. So this is a bit of a work in progress. It's really, your, uh, as you said, it's your draft findings um, that are, still need to be written up and submitted for review. And as you said, the comparative insight from Canadian jurisprudence is yet to be written. So it is a work in progress. So we have to remember that with the answers you're going to give to us right now. But your research topic is deaf access to the criminal justice system in Ethiopia. So what got you interested in looking at Mm. deaf access to the criminal justice system in Ethiopia? Perfect. Yeah, um... During my childhood, I had uh, an experience. Uh, there was a girl who was raped uh, and who was deaf, oh profoundly dear. deaf. Right. Yeah, she showed her neighbor. And in my childhood, I saw that she was raped. And uh, she gave birth right. due to that uh, incident. And finally, uh, she received nothing from the justice Perspective. I mean, right. she was not given any justice. Right. And mm-hmm. I was asking, uh, since that time, I was asking myself, what happened to her? Uh, is, is that the way how the system works? Not about the criminal justice system, because right. by th- that time, I was not aware anything about the justice system. But I was asking, oh, is that, I mean, the life she is supposed to lead? She quit the school. Uh, she dropped from school. Yes, her and whole then, life changed just yes, because someone raped yes. her. Mm-hmm. Her whole life was changed, and still she's there, and she, she was leading really bad life. Right. Uh, having that in mind, I uh, studied law by choice, and then I came to re- realize that the criminal justice system in general, when we refer to criminal justice system, we are... Uh, talking about the police, the laws, the, uh, right. ju- the judges, the public prosecution, and the penitentiary, and many things inside. Right. So it works. I mean, the criminal justice system relies on spoken language and written communications for its daily activities. Right, yes. And in Ethiopia, we have, uh, even though the figure, uh, there is a disagreement about the figure, there is an estimated number of deaf people ranging from uh, 1.25 million to 2.5 million. Well, that's a lot of people. A lot of people. Yes. So these groups of people interact with the criminal justice system. And the question that I had during my childhood about that lady came into my mind. Yes. Was, was Was she looked after Yes. properly and as yes. a deaf person how did she manage yes uh, so that may be the reason why mm-hmm. uh, she was not able to access justice at all right so there must be a kind of a gap and when i try to see the literatures i don't find anything particularly in the Ethiopian perspective right. and i went to see some literatures abroad i got several barriers that deaf people encounter while uh, trying to access a criminal justice system. So that is something that triggered me to uh, engage in my, I mean, this specific topic. Right. 
Well, it's a very sad reason for you having to pick up this topic. Of course, it's very challenging. Uh, probably a little bit late for that lady at the time, but uh, hopefully with some of the work you do now might sort of help future... I hope so. ...future people. Yeah. So how are you trying to look at this system? I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple of things. You know, are they... Is it are they being represented correctly, or do they have the resources to be represented correctly? How are you trying to study this? Mm. Uh, I think that's a good question. It's a very challenging topic because I can't sign. I don't know about right. sign language. Right. But most of these people use sign language for their communication. Right. And my first question, uh, which came into my mind while thinking about this uh, research topic, was how I would be able to communicate with them in order to understand their experience. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I able to access very experienced and accomplished uh, professor uh, who wrote a book about deaf people in general. Right. And he showed me the avenues through which I can uh, contact them. Particularly, right. uh, he suggested me some uh, known sign language interpreters yes. uh, through whom I can communicate with deaf people. So I prepared my plan uh, through the support of my supervisor, and then I tried to interview about 26 participants, of right. which uh, many are uh, deaf people. Uh, so I used... Uh, sign language interpreter to communicate with them. Right. And in order to triangulate what I found from, from the deaf people, I also interviewed uh, legal professionals like judges, public prosecutors. Right. And sign language interpreters as well. So all these people, including deaf uh, participants, had at least one experience in interacting with each other, I mean, with in the, the criminal justice system. Right, Yeah. So right. those professionals are working in the criminal justice system. They had a kind of, I mean, at least one experience interacting with uh, deaf uh, persons. Right. And those deaf participants also had at least one uh, experience in interacting with the criminal justice system, either being as a victim of a crime or as suspected or accused of a crime. Or a Right, yeah. right. And also, I tried to review the legal framework, uh, considering the uh, International Convention on the uh, Rights of Persons with Disabilities, yes. to which Ethiopia is a member and is duty-bound to uh, implement, enforce that specific international obligation, I mean, uh, convention. And also, I tried to review some decisions mm -hmm. of courts and also some documents, recorded documents by police officers as well. So does Ethiopia's criminal justice system have things in place? I mean, are they following the, the international law? Uh, that, is, that is a sad thing. My answer, according to my research, is mm -hmm. not. Even though Ethiopia is a member to the CRPD, the Convention on the International Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, uh, so far this convention has not been domestic legal system. Right. And the courts and other institutions ha never have uh, enforced this international convention, either directly or indirectly. Or indirectly. 
Yeah, and also what I found, I have found is these groups of persons are still considered not only in the community but also legally as idiots. Is that right? Yes. Oh. Uh, th- this has been used a long time ago in the right. legal system, in many legal systems, of course, but it has been changed. Mm-hmm. Through time, it has been changed, and reforms have been taken into place in uh, around, uh, I mean, the world. But in the Ethiopian context, these groups of persons are still uh, considered as infirm persons, right? Uh, under quotation, because I don't like to use this term. Correct. Now. Yes. Yeah, and they are considered to be mentally incapable in. Uh, analyzing and managing themselves and in administrating their properties. Right. Uh, yeah, so that even the criminal justice system sometimes don't take into account their, I mean, whatever they did, they, they just let them, what I mean... It's, uh, it's almost their, like not worth yes. our while yes. dealing with you. Yes. Which is really quite sad. So out of the 26 that you interviewed, how did you pick those? And, and, and I guess... What's the demographics of those? Are they male? Are they female? Are they from a certain region that, you know, what's their economic status, Mm. that Mm. sort of thing? How did you pick those 26 or do they just be given to you? I think that's the most important question. Mm -hmm. I adopted a very flexible research method, ground research methodology, ground to research methodology because it gave me a, a flexibility uh, to access these people. As I said before, I was in frustration how to access these people. Yes. Uh, because one thing, their number is not as such uh, huge. And it was also difficult to identify these people without having sufficient literature, sufficient resource. So I was in doubt where I could f- access these people. Mm-hmm. So I decided most of the things when I went to the field, uh, after just learning where they live, where I can right. I could access them, uh, then I uh, just able to access them through snowballing technique. I mean, okay. yeah. So you talked to the, someone who knew someone who had yes. had an issue that either went to the the system to get a result or didn't. Definitely. The most important opportunity I encountered was they they have church programs every Sunday. Ah, I think most okay. of them. Okay, so that might yeah. be yes, that's yes. A good that's a good one. And the sign language interpreter took me to there. Right. And uh, asked them if I could able to join them. They let me to join them and I was part of their Sunday's prayer uh, right. one day. And they have also an association, a deaf association, uh, in which they uh, held their uh, bi-monthly meeting uh, on every, uh, I think, Saturday or Sunday. Right. And I was able to join their meeting as well with my uh, sign language interpreter. Uh, frankly speaking, even though they are considered as uh, idiots. These people, I saw they are very smart. Oh, absolutely, yes. yes. Uh, it was only me with my sign language interpreter mm. who happened to be there being a uh, hearing person who speak uh, the local language. Right. But the rest of them were deaf and they were just uh, using sign language. So by that time, 
I learned that it it was me in a state who required accommodation. Right. You, you see? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because I was not able to know what they were saying, yeah. but they were moving their hands, their mouths, their, their eyes, every part of their bodies. They had something to say. Definitely. And I was really surprised uh, to 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 saw how they smartly communicating each other. Mm-hmm. I think that is the most important part we missed as a hearing community, as a hearing persons. That is the most important part we missed to 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 appreciate their mental capacity, their right. smart mind. Yes. Yeah. So this up to opportunities gave me to access at least some uh, participants who actually had some experiences in, in, in interacting with the criminal justice system. Right. Yeah, and the rest, as I said, is by referral. After just interviewing one, I asked that the, that participant... Do if, you know of anyone else? Yes, yes. If she or he mm-hmm. know another person and mm-hmm. with uh, such the same experience... And so, the, so that of that twenty six again, we know a lot of the issues that are around translation, right? Being able to understand what someone is saying, mm. either verbally or by hands. Yeah, uh, and that's the same with anywhere you go to a different country. And in the beginning, if if they don't, for me, if they don't speak English, yeah. it's like, oh my goodness, what are they trying to tell me? And I so want to tell them something back. And it's the same with this. So, so first of all. Having, as you said, someone who can interpret the sound language to the people of hearing, and then vice versa. Yes. Back the other way. But out of those twenty-six, what was the gender breakdown? And as I said, what kind of the what was the economic status of these people? Because I, I always, I mean, we've seen it in Canadian society and a lot of Western societies that the ones that are not resourced as well mm. don't get as and I hate to say this not necessarily the best hearing mm. in the justice system yeah they're not treated quite as well as those that have a lot of money mm-hmm. yes so it, um, we, so your group that you looked at what kind of economic status were they mm. uh, first coming into the gender mm. perspective Fortunately or unfortunately, I got only two uh, female participants. Right. Yeah, among uh, the rest of uh, deaf persons. Of course, there, there were many other mm-hmm. female uh, potential participants who uh, promised me to uh, participate in the, re- the study, but later they declined for different reasons. Which is fair And enough. the most important aspect of this participant, uh, the issue is related to sexual assault and I expect I, I, I can assume that they may be afraid of uh, communicating this under quotation taboo matter right right yeah. so the only two uh, female participated in I mean among the deaf participants and regarding their economic status of course most of them uh, were undereducated Right. I can say some are in grade eight, some others in grade nine, and uh, one was in grade uh, 12. And I think three of them completed their diploma. Right, right. And they were involving in certain uh, government-related 
work, but most mm. of them are undereducated right. and they are not employed. Most of them are not employed. Right. And this brings us an important concern in relation to their uh, engagement in criminal behavior. I asked them, firstly, what incident led them to encounter with the criminal justice system, right. particularly those mm-hmm. who had experiences of being a suspect or accused of a crime. Right. And most of the factors, the offending factors, which I able to identify are related to uh, systemic issues. Okay. Instead of, even though the existing studies mm-hmm. haven't given, I mean, the required emphasis to these factors, what I have seen is the most important factors that led these people to fall afoul of the law, to, uh, I mean, uh, maybe violate the law, not because of their bad behavior, not because they are not law-abiding persons as a group, but because the system, the structure, starting from the community where they are living right. up to the criminal justice system, the former criminal justice system, led them to uh, engage in such criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. I may raise one important Example, as I said before, these groups of persons are considered as idiots by the majority of the public. Right. And whenever they are interacting with hearing people, they encounter teasing, mocking, and many more exclusionary activities. And that leads them to be very furious, very cynical toward this hearing persons. And I see how there is, I mean, the drift is very big Mm -hmm. between the hearing and the deaf people. They wish to be alone. Deaf people wish to uh, be alone. Just let me get on with my life and... Yeah. And that leads them to whenever, I mean, hearing people tease them, their reaction is very fatal. So with that in mind... Where is the Ethiopian system falling down? Are they not providing interpreters or signers if a deaf person is put forward in, in the courts? Is it there is no signer available? Where, where is the the system falling down? Because, I mean, you're a teacher. Yeah. Do you teach part of, in your law programme, accessibility to all citizens, whether they're deaf, blind, able-bodied, in a wheelchair, you name it, and from all different economic statuses. Do you explain that, that that's part of the the role as a lawyer is to represent everyone? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Regardless. Yeah. Um, I think your question leads me to think about what major findings I, may ha- I yes. have in my research. The most important factor I identified is lack of awareness. Okay. Lack of awareness in the community or misconception. Right, yes. About deaf people. As I said, deaf people are considered to be idiots. Even what that is what the law specifically says so. It's crazy. That needs to be changed for starters. <laughs> yes. So imagine 
law is supposed to bring change, mm -hmm. positive change in the community, but we have such a kind of law which right. has not yet been changed, amended. Right. Even though other country, we, I mean, Ethiopia has ratified the CRPD. That's one thing. And the other is, this is a legal barrier as well. Yes. It's not just awareness, lack of awareness. It's as well a legal Yeah, because uh, that legal, that yes. law needs to be changed, yes. yes. And the other important factor is widespread misconception. Right. There are, for instance, I can, I want to mention one important example that led uh, female deaf persons to encounter with the criminal justice system. That is mainly sexual assault. Mm -hmm. They are exposed for sexual assault because there is a perception in the public that these female are virgin. Right. Just because they are deaf. deaf. Right. They don't have much interaction with the hearing community mm -hmm. so that they are isolated. If they are isolated, they are supposed to be virgin. Okay. And sexual predators yeah. mostly target them. Right. And this makes the assumption false. Mm -hmm. So they are even exposed for sexual assault while they are in elementary school, even though the assumption is they are virgins. Right. And I maybe I'll think it m more about their privacy but this is the most critical concern among deaf women and girls. So this is related to yeah. uh, misconception, the widespread misconception. So lack of awareness, legal barrier, and misconceptions are the most important factors that these people are still unable to access the criminal justice system. And about the legal professionals who are working in the criminal justice system, as I said, they don't know who deaf people are. Even we don't have the law that defines right, right. who these groups of people are. It's crazy. Yeah, there is no law. So is this why you wanted to do a comparison between Ethiopia and Canada? I'd like to think Canada is probably a little bit more aware mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, of making things more equitable for yes. people, yes. regardless of their ability or disability? Yeah. The laws in relation to deaf access to the justice system in general, they, they are still emerging, of course, uh, not only for about deaf people, but access to justice for persons with disabilities in general mm -hmm. is an uh, emerging issue. Particular emphasis has been given since the CRPD has been ad adopted in 2006, which came into uh, effect in 2008. And in particular, in Ethiopia, as I said, there is nothing in relation to this matter. So I thought Canada has a good record in general in terms of human rights protection. Right. And in particular about the rights of persons with disabilities and as well the rights of deaf people, including access to the criminal justice system, and access to other public domains, right. public services. Right. And in fact, what I have found so far, even though it is yet ongoing, so far there are important learning opportunities that we can grasp from the Canadian experience, the Canadian jurisprudence. 
uh, we can take, for instance, Article 14, Section 14 of the uh, Canadian Charter on Rights and Freedoms. And we have also rich jurisprudence in relation to accommodating deaf people in their interaction, not only the criminal justice system, but also other uh, uh, services, public domains. Right. Yeah, so I see uh, there are important lessons that we can learn from the Canadian experience. Some some people would say all we need to do is give them access to signers that can translate their, their sign mm. language to... Mm to vocalising it, etc., and vice versa. But as we know, even here, to get a signer to come to an event, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. And so even if you try to, well, first of all, change that first law about the the idiocy um, law, I mean, that clearly has to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a bit, bit, bit archaic. But the other thing is, I mean, having access to the criminal system equally can the Ethiopian justice system afford interpreters or electronic devices mm. set up in their law courts to be able to translate someone who is um, speaking but a, a deaf or you know, signing and, and deaf? Can, can the system afford it? And is that one of the reasons why it has fallen behind? Because they can't afford, the system can't afford it. Mm. And then whose responsibility is it? Is it the individual lawyer who's representing? Mm. I think you have brought an important uh, question. Uh, that is even what I, ha- I had asked uh, the participants, if that is the case. Mm-hmm. But that's not the reason. And that shouldn't be even the reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, resource is one thing, of course. Unless we have sufficient resource, we, we may not be able to address every problem. But in relation to imagine what we are talking about, the topic is just access to justice. Yes. If you are not uh, able to, or if you are not thinking that you are able to access the justice system, what your hope will be? Exactly. Yeah. We are talking about persons whose rights are violated Mm -hmm. or going to be violated. Or going to be, yeah. Yeah. These people, particularly when we are talking about the crime victims, or suspected suspected persons who are alleged to have uh, committed a crime, th- their rights going to be violated throughout the criminal justice process. If they are not afforded with interpreters, they, they, they will not be able to know what's going on there. Exactly. They are supposed to appear before the court of law, not just for the mere of appearance, Yes. But just to know what's going on about their fate. Their fate. And also, uh, they, they have to comprehend what, what they're And they have to defend if they, they should. Mm-hmm. That is what we are talking about, talking about. If we are not providing them interpreters or other appropriate communication means, they will not be able to... Uh, Stand up for themselves. Yes, yes. Enjoy these rights and give we, their voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, we 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 have constitutional rights, like due process rights. We call them due process due process rights. The right to be informed what for what crime I'm being charged. Yes, and uh, the right to uh, cross examine the witnesses which are brought against me, and the right to present my defense against the charges 
to me. All this depends on communications. So what are you hoping to show at the end of your studies? Is it highlighting that we need to be more aware of all citizens so that we can, one, represent them correctly and two, give them a voice and three, make sure they understand the system. Is that one thing? Is another thing is changing a couple of laws? Another one is changing how we teach law moving mm. forward mm. to make... Because it seems the awareness part is, is the big stumbling block right now. Yes. So, so where do we change that? What are you trying to do with showcasing what you found to date? Big question. Yeah, <laughs> of course, it's a very important part of my research. Uh, I'm doing this research not for the sake of, uh, I mean, taking my degree. I'm doing it out of passion mm -hmm. to contribute something for these groups of people. As I said, bringing my childhood experience yes. that is still in my mind. So... I, I just take the responsibility to bring some change through awareness creation. I am right. hoping that my uh, findings will light up, I, I think, those who are involved in, uh, in this area, particularly in the criminal justice system, and also may give some uh, input to create awareness among the public. because. I, I have been doing this work together with deaf people. Yes, right. they, they are. I can say that they are part of the research process mm -hmm. and they are still waiting something from me. So they're saying to you, okay, we're, we're, we're telling you how things are for us. What now can you, after our conversation, what are you going to try and change? It's an awareness, it's bringing examples from another country that could be implemented within Ethiopia it's the number one thing we have to do first is make sure people understand and are aware yes. of what the, what the situation is right now. Definitely. And it's a situation that needs to change if we're truly wanting to be equitable in this justice system. Yes. Uh, you know what? Deaf people and also those who are working, the professionals who are working in the criminal justice system agree on one, on one important point. It is just because of lack of awareness that these right. people have been ignored and the legal barriers are still there just because there is no awareness, mm -hmm. much awareness among the legislatures as well. Of course, that requires another independent study. Yes. But that is what I have found, what I heard from both the professionals and the deaf people. Has there been a kind of at least a little awareness there could have been some changes so far? Right. Yeah, so the first thing is creating awareness through my research, through the publication of my findings. Yeah. And the other is just to solicit for policy change, law reform. Right. Still through... Bringing oh, in the fact the international... Definitely, you, definitely. You agree to this. Yes. We haven't done anything yet. <laughs> yeah. And as I said, I have some comparative insights. And that comparative insight is intended to, I mean, to show something how the laws and how the practice can change, mm -hmm. so that lessons can be learned from this comparative insight. That's my hope as well. That's great. It's a big job. Thank you. But as as I always say to people writing, tiny steps. 
Mm. And even though that first point, the awareness, is not going to be an easy thing to do, but yeah. it's going to be a part of, of that. So I wish you all the best with that Thank for you, both you. yourself and also for the system back in Ethiopia and the citizens of Ethiopia. Thank you so much. So Thank good you. luck with it all. Thank you again. Thank you. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify and CFRC Podcast. Just type in a Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.